0: Hello and welcome to the Ahead of the Game podcast. Hello, welcome to today's show. Uh, we've just had the second week in the Scottish Premiership, so we're going to talk a bit about that to kick off. Um, so the weekend began with Rangers playing against Dundee up at Dens Park and they managed to get their first win of the season, which I think most of their fans will be very relieved about. But uh, it wasn't quite as easy a job as they kind of suggested it might be at the start of the game, really.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, they were fully worth... There's three points I think in the end, especially if you look at the first half performance, they were really dominant in possession, um, could have probably should have been further ahead at half time, um, Kenny Miller misses a great chance, uh, clean through, obviously he took his goal really well um, and then they give away, you know, which will be the biggest concern for Mark Warburton, uh, a very soft goal from a set piece again uh, and he did look vulnerable um, from set pieces all day. So. Areas of concern. It wasn't, a, you know, a fully polished performance. I think, um, but you know, in the end, it was a deserved three points. I mean, at, at that
0: point, Dumpty looked completely out at the point that O'Hara got his goal. So it is a real problem
2: for Rangers, and the set pieces seem to be their biggest kind of issue to resolve at the moment. Yeah, they just look they look so vulnerable. It's always the same. I and mean, we saw it last year with Rangers that their defence don't really defend. They're they're, they're so gung ho going forward, especially in the full back areas. James Tavernier, particularly on the right hand side they do leave themselves open I mean the goal um, for Mark O'Hara on Saturday I think it was Joey Barton that actually I wouldn't even say lost his man didn't even look as if he was attempting to keep to keep hold of his man and it was a good header but was right in what he said up to that point Rangers were absolutely cruising no problem at all I'd actually just put it on Twitter saying Dundee have sold their best two players hell mend them this is what you get Then <laughs> within about 30 seconds <laughs> um, the, the, the goal goes in uh, and all hell breaks loose but Rangers were Rangers were cruising, but the defence. We've said it. We've said it in here time and time again. This Rangers defence will be the reason that they don't win this league. Mm. You know that there's they they've made strides forward. Um, there's they're looking at bringing in a couple of more players. We're here and um, we're here in Senderos as well. Mm. Today is is the latest player linked with coming into Rangers. Um, but to me, that's not what they need. To me, they need they need a centre. They need a, another solid centre half. And somebody that's going to going to shore up that back line, because at the moment they just they still look vulnerable. Do you um, think Tendros is going to be an answer to that problem? I anyway? don't think so. I, I, I don't know if that I don't know if, if that's what what they need.
1: Um, yeah, it's yeah, I mean. It's difficult to judge how he might do up here because he's always been playing. You know, or we've always judged him and his time uh, down south at Arsenal, but. Scott's in what he says, you know, they, they really need a commanding presence in that box because it's all very well playing, great possession football, um, you know, and, and keeping your opponent at bay. But it goes right back to the start of this season when they played Motherwell at Fir park. They, the vast majority of possession that day, but they gave up four, five, maybe even 6 gilt guilt-edged opportunities at the other end. And teams know that's Rangers' Achilles heel. Um, set pieces and you get in behind the fullbacks on the break as well. So it might be a wee bit concerning, I think, to Rangers fans that there doesn't appear to be, you know, any different plan B. If -hmm. you like, you know, Marlourburn always said, you know, famously, plan B is doing plan A better, but if you're going to be playing this way every single week and, you know, showing up the same deficiencies every single week, then, you know, more often than not, in the Scottish Premier League, even at that level, you're going to be punished for it.
2: They are a team built for attacking, they are a team built on a philosophy of if you score one, we'll score three, Mm -hmm. which in the Championship served served them well, um, but in this league, it's probably going to be we score three, you might score two. You might score three. That, it, it, I don't think they can rely on that. I think the, the philosophy of Rangers is going to have to. Get, the Rangers team is probably going to have to get tweaked a little bit to keep on going forward because they, Dundee aren't a great. Uh, they did. They've done well over the last couple of years, but as we've already alluded to, they've lost their two best players in Kane Hemmings and Greg Stewart certainly in an attacking sense. Um, and Marco Harrow has never been known for his goal scoring. But yeah, he manages to pop up and get a goal. So if they're leaking goals, well in total. Command of a game against a team that are just that are a, a bit in disarray, then it doesn't bode well when they're when they're going to go up against an Aberdeen, a Hearts, or a Celtic.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The game was well. The reaction to the game was really <coughs> been dominated
0: by Harry Forrester because he was uh, on a yellow card, putting a couple of hard challenges. Mm-hmm. What's your take on this? I mean, Kenny Miller even seemed to admit that he thought that it was. It was getting to the point where they had to pull him off. Uh, uh, he got uh, sent I, off.
1: I thought to my mind I thought it was ridiculous that it wasn't sent off, to be honest with you. I mean I think Craig Thompson bottled it a little bit mm-hmm. um, by not sending him off. The, the second challenge in particular, where he came from behind and, and took away the legs of the Dundee Defender. Um you know, that there's an argument to be made that could have been a straight red itself. Um, never mind a second yellow, so yeah I think he should have been off, I think it was the right decision to withdraw him when they did um, but you know I'm not surprised Kerry Miller said that because I think anyone who's played football or, or watched football to any great degree really expected the card to come out at that stage and the fact that it didn't um, suggest to me that the referees just kind of took the fifth on that one <laughs> Yeah. But for Dundee, it's
0: an encouraging performance. If they, you know, they have lost Greg Stewart just the day before the game, I think it was. So for them, it's they got a good win against Ross County last week. Good, decent performance. Yeah, not
2: as bad as it might seem. No, certainly, certainly not. And I must admit, last weekend I I, t- I tipped Ross County. Um, I, t- I tipped Ross County to win that game, purely because they'd lost Kane Hemmings, Greg Stewart, a lot of kind of. Ambiguity, over, over his situation, but no, they've, they've done well. Paul, Hart, Paul Hartley's an experienced coach. You know, he's, he's done well at did well at Allo and he's now he's, he's doing doing really well at Dundee. You can't imagine though; he's the happiest chap in the world, though, with what he's managing. He's trying to build something, and the board at Dundee are, are pulling pulling the, the rug away from underneath him with with selling as as we've already said their best two players for. Let's be honest, less than what they're worth. Um, they have brought in L back to him. He's not really had a chance to. To show what he's all about. I mean, he has a talented player um, and has shown it. Showed it showed at Dunfermline. Um, it'll be. It might be the difference between the top six and the bottom six this season with with Dundee. Whether or not he can he can hit the ground running and turn it on at this level. But no, it's certainly the, 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 it's the, an encouraging second half. But really, the story of Saturday is Rangers if they were if they were more clinical. Dundee should have been outside by half time. It was interesting,
1: I thought, you know, where Dundee, you mentioned Mark O'Hara got the goal, but where they deployed him in a sort of attacking midfield role where I thought he actually done really well. He's excellent um, against
0: Kenny Yeah, there as well. exactly.
1: I mean, I don't know if it's out of design or necessity that Paul Hartley's decided to make that move with uh, Mark O'Hara, but at uh, Kamarmak, obviously, you're more used to seeing him in the fullback position, but he um, seems to be doing really well there, and I think, you know, <laughs> Dundee. They still have a good team, they have a good squad. Mm-hmm. Um they will want to supplement the squad now, obviously. Hopefully they'll get a wee bit of money from the Kane Hemings and the Greg Stewart transfers to do that, but you know, I think they'll be okay this year. Can't see
0: any danger. Um so the next game to talk about I mean we were quite excited about this game in the build it really. Aberdeen Heart's second against third, but I don't know if we're really gonna have to be able to talk about it for very long. So finish nil-nil. Um neither team have really got up and running
2: yet, is that fair to say. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Our, our chief football writer, Matthew Lindsay, was up there at the weekend um, covering it for us and I said, um, was that a good game? And it was just, the simple reply was, nope. <laughs> and then he <laughs> sat down. Um, so that kind of tells you all you need to know. Ab- Ab- Aberdeen are, are quickly becoming a little bit of a mystery this season because they so they did so well last year. they built up a lot of momentum over the last couple of campaigns. I'm still an air of... of um, Positivity about Potoroi going into this summer that, that we can maybe kick on and do something. Going out to Maribor seems to have knocked the stuffing out of them a little bit against St Johnston, against a really really disciplined and well, well drilled St Johnston team that we've become used to seeing. Just couldn't break them down. Just did, didn't perform. Um, and it seems it seems to be the case against Hearts as well, who are, who are a little bit similar to St Johnston in that way. I don't know. I'm, I'm beginning to I'm beginning to worry for for Aberdeen that. Their challenge—if they are going to challenge—certainly if they're not going to challenge Celtic, but if they're going to challenge Rangers and Hearts and what have you for for second or third place, they're going to really have to start kicking on quickly. Um, and at the moment, I just—I just, I just don't—I don't see it. They don't look as if they're as if they're a cohesive unit the way they were. They were grinding out results last year, but they just don't look as if they've. Well, certainly, in the evidence that the two games we've seen, it
1: doesn't look as if they're capable of grinding out results at the moment. I think there must be concern from a Hearts perspective as well, you know, I think there's uh, parallels to be drawn there with mm-hmm. with how Aberdeen are playing at the moment. Hearts seem to have morphed, and I've heard a few people say that this weekend, they've morphed into more of a Craig Levine type team, you know, when you look at them you think of a solid unit now who isn't afraid to put a tackle in, mm-hmm. um, certainly with 16 bookings in the first three games that's been borne out, but um, I think you know they have to maybe get back to some of the principles that Robbie Nielsen was talking about, you know, when when they won the championship they were absolutely flying. A free flowing A you know, free flowing attacking team. Um and this year they played well against Celtic and maybe there's a necessity to play that way against Celtic. However, you know, just I've seen a, a bit of them in the last few few games and obviously the European exit as well. They look really one dimensional and, you know, quite negative in their play. So I'd like to see them get back to more of what Robbie Nielsen was trying to do, and maybe c- cutting the influence of Craig Levine a wee bit. The proof of that will, be, will come in the next couple of weeks, because as you
2: said, they're opening game of the season against the defending champions, so you have to alter your game there a wee bit. Then you're going up to Pataudra to play the team that finished second. So it's the, it's the toughest possible start they really could have they could have asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you'll see over the next next couple of weeks where Hearts are going to be, but I think certainly Aberdeen need to need to step up a step little up bit on, yeah. quickly.
0: Well, um over at Fair Park I think you're at this game Scott Motherwell mm-hmm. lost St Johnson 2-1
2: um, what's your take on the performance bad week for Motherwell please. a bad week goes to a horrible week um, for Motherwell yeah it's, it's one of these things that was, I spoke to Keith Lazar last week for the Evening Times and he said no, there's no chance that we we'll not have a hangover from the, the 5-0 game at Parkhead um, certainly psychologically they tried and they, they hustled and harried and I wouldn't say that they looked mentally fatigued, but physically they looked off the pace. The amount of 50-50s that Saint Johnston won um, kind of was telling. But for for me, the key thing, the key thing about Motherwolves play, that when they play well, they play with pace. They get the ball from midfield. They, they spray it to Marvin Johnson quickly. Get it out to him before he's closed down. He runs at defences, get by them, plays balls in, has shots. <coughs> Another side, Chris Cadden can be like that, as Lionel Ainsworth can be. We saw that uh, last week um, against Colmaric, um, with the first goal. It was a great goal by Lionel, but it, it was it was slow, methodical, and then bang away the goal. Celtic do this as well, and it's just it's all about the pace of the ball, kind of slowing the tempo down, then hitting then. then ranking it up really really quickly against a team like St Johnson that's what you need to do there were shouts from the the stands at Park on Saturday play the simple ball play the the easy ball you can't do that against St Johnson because they're so much of a a solid unit they're so cohesive and they're so well drilled and they've been playing together for, for that long under Tommy Wright that everybody knows what they're doing and they just try and frustrate I mean, they don't sit in too much, but they're just such a, a solid unit to try and break through. You can't pick an easy pass through through them. You're going to have to try and do something creative. And in, on Saturday, Motherwell just didn't get up. Their, pay, their play wasn't quick enough to play the play their way through St Johnston, and ultimately, I, I think that, that that maybe a little bit of tiredness probably
1: took its toll on them. I'm concerned for Motherwell this weekend. They got Ibrooks on Saturday and. Matt but I was really disappointed with them when they went to Parkhead and the League Cup, um, the the performance they put in. I thought that the team selection when they put Joe Chalmers in there instead of Lionel Ainsworth to try and maybe make it a bit more solid. It almost seemed as if the white flag was up before mm-hmm. they left the tunnel, you know. Um, but you know that that's not a kind of result that's going to find their season. Uh, anything from that would have been, you know, a surprise. But this game was against Alexis and Johnson at home. As Scott was saying, if they're going to have aspirations at the top six. These are the games you've got to try and take something from. And I think, look, I didn't see the full game, just seen the highlights, but looking at it and reading the reports from Scott, it seems as if you know there was a, a real gulf between the organisation of St Johnson. You can see they've been together a long time, they're well-drilled and they're well-organised. And Motherwell, who you know are still trying to bed in four or five players, and it's going to take a wee bit of time. So I'm a wee bit concerned that if they'd go to Ibrox this weekend they'd show the same attitude, not attitude, but the same sort of tactics... Um, that they had against Celtic, as well as some of the defensive unit which hasn't jailed yet, it could be quite messy for them. I think
2: Mark, Mark McGee has said, they said on Saturday to me and he said it during the week as well, that the difference between the two teams were Celtic on, Sel- on Wednesday Celtic played really well and Motherwell didn't play how they could. And then on Saturday as much the same. St. Johnson played really efficiently, and Motherwell didn't. So I, I, I think I think we need to keep it in perspective that it's not panic stations for Motherwell. I I, I still think with the, the the starting eleven, if they can keep Johnson, Motherwell have a strong enough starting eleven, and they can keep everybody fit to finish the top six. And I think they'll be there or thereabouts this season. Um, but again, it's a little bit of a lull that, on the basis of what we've seen from them up until up until Wednesday, it's not really seen it coming. Mm-hmm. Well, the other couple of games were between teams that have
0: really started very slowly this season. Um, probably the game of the round, I'd certainly say. Cali getting beat 3-2 by county. You would say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously the player, the Daly Boyce. I mean, this is a guy who absolutely flew at the start of last season, but then he got hand injury, stopped scoring, dropped out of Northern
2: Ireland squads, but... He really showed what he was capable of in that game. It was a great fit. The the, the the second Cali goal was just it was a, an unbelievable finish just to uh, Cali goal, the county goal just to bring the ball down. His finish was absolutely superb. He is a he has a great player and he has got over the 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 disappointment to put it one way of not getting into the Nor- Northern Ireland squad. I think it was the right the right choice, but he just needs to kick on now and show what he's show what he's got and show what he's made of. I know he had injury problems last year, but even when he did play, he didn't. He wasn't as fluid and wasn't impressive as he was when he during his first season at county. Um, and if they want to again kick on to the top six, I think they're going to be more reliant on him this year than what they were, what they have been. I don't know if there's as many goals elsewhere in the team this year as there as there have been. Um, but no, it was a deserved deserve win for county. An unusual refereeing performance at times, um, shall we say? Um, but the. Yeah I assume you're referring to the opening Kelly goal. Yes, uh a bit a bit of a bizarre moment. Um but looking looking beyond that, again I think I think County will be fine this season. Um Jim McIntyre and Billy Dodds have done a terrific job considering the mess that they were in whenever they first whenever they first went up there. Um they've done they've done really, really well. Um Inverness a, a little bit like um a little bit like Kilmarnock and Hamilton, I think they'll be down the bottom.
0: Richie Foran, do you think the kind of inexperience and the, the it was quite a strange appointment in the first place to get someone no experience. Do you think he's being shown up for that, or will he just need a bit of time to get his squad together? Again? Actually, I mean,
1: I actually think Rich will do quite well as a manager. You know, if you think back to when he first came into Scottish football, um, as a young kind of tearaway mother, if you like, you know, he's really matured as a, a person, and I think he's well respected within the club. Um, and I spoke to Jamie Durant from um, the Inverness Courier before the perfect the, the Thistle-Inverness game, um, and he said that the whole atmosphere of the place, even from when John Hughes was, was there and was very successful, has lifted this year, you know, it just seems a, a better place to be, um, that's not been borne out in the results so far, I, I saw them at Fir in on the opening day and they were really disappointing, I think they'd one shot on target all game, so I'm a wee bit worried, I think long term, I think they'll be okay, I don't think they'll be in relegation trouble because I watched Hamilton and Conmarlock at the weekend, and I think those two have got that sewn up. Um, but, you know, I really wish all the best for, for Richie and I think, you know, over a long term, I think he'll do OK. So dream on, on Saturday, then, at
0: the hamilton killer game, I mean, just Chris Boyd and Koulibaly scoring, do you mm. think that that's really what they have to rely on now, isn't it? It Getting completely the changed
1: game. the game. I mean, the first hour of the game, Chris Boyd was up front on his own, um, and with the greatest will in the world. Chris a great finisher, but he's maybe not the athlete that he once was or if he ever was an athlete at the end of the day but you know he was just chasing about scraps very forlornly uh, and not getting anything and at that stage of the game Kelly were one down and going nowhere you know and Hamilton actually should have had the game sewn up but then after an hour they threw Koulibaly on up front with him within 10 minutes Chris boys got the equaliser a couple of minutes later Koulibaly scores an outstanding uh, second goal um, and from there they actually looked a completely different side and they actually saw the game relatively comfortably apart from the last couple of minutes so it was a real kind of Jekyll and Hyde performance from them but I think if Kelly are going to have any success this year going forward they've got to have both of those guys on the pitch at all times because there was very seldom any other bright spark on the pitch apart from Jordan Jones in the left wing who was very bright
2: it was a similar kind of in reverse against Motherwell during the first game of the season for Cumberland that Koulibaly was on and they went 2-0 down then they brought in Chris Boyd then lo and behold with the two of them on the park they spun to life they got a goal and they really almost they were unlucky And then not not to get a draw out of it so maybe again it's just Lee Clark finding Still kind of finding his best
1: formation, might tinker with things. Well, a lot of new players coming yeah, this summer as well. Just it? a mm. bit. <laughs> yeah, sure. We've got 12 new players in there now, you know, and one of them got run out on Saturday. You can see they had mixed teammates before, you know, they didn't know <laughs> what to do. Hand. Shaking you know, hands you know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a bed and in period there for them, but I do fear for them. Actually, if it goes with the two up front, I think, you know, they've got a better chance of survival, but if they play with the one up front, the system they had, in the opening hour of that game, then, you know, I, I really do fear for their, their chances.
0: Right. Well, thanks for that. We're going to have to talk about the Olympics for a little bit here because Andy Murray last night made a bit of history. First man ever to defend the men's singles title. Mm. Um, great match, a long match again against El Potro. Um, where do you think this ranks in terms of his achievements so far defending the Olympic gold?
1: It's really up there. I mean, I think that you know it wasn't the highest quality match maybe he's ever played in his life, but it was grueling. Um, the power that Del Potro was getting on his forehand side, especially, it was just unbelievable. Um, especially considering the match he had with Nadal the day before. Um, but you know, it just finds a way of winning. He's he's got this mental strength, Andy Murray now that maybe wasn't always prevalent. Sometimes he would get a wee bit down on himself, but. He still has wee moments like that. Last night there was a period there where you thought Del Potro was going to run away with it in the second set, um, but he just summons this inner courage up and it was one of the most courageous displays I've ever seen from him um, and I think you know he's won his last 18 matches in a row consecutively. Um, he's in the form of his life. At this moment in time I'd say Djokovic has had a wee dip. You he could, he could argue he's the best tennis player in the world at this moment. And yeah, he is. I think now there's no argument that he's the Certainly the best Scottish sportsman of all time, but I'd say the best British sportsman of all time as well.
0: And as you know, the achievement shouldn't be downplayed at all because Del Potro
2: to get to uh, that finally knocked out you Novak know, like Djokovic and Rafa Nadal.
1: So yeah. I mean yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's a little bit later on in his career than what Andy is, um, Del Porto, but he's a he's a great sportsman and he's a, he's a great talent. You saw he saw that last night, a couple of great moments. Whenever and Andy had a few fantastic drop shots, and you just saw Del Porto hugging the net, kind of looking at him as if I can't I can't say what I, what I mean. Probably <laughs> was going through his head, um, but no, the, the, Graham's right. I mean, for me, Andy Murray is without doubt the greatest Scottish sportsman ever, British quite possibly as well. Um, and over over the next six months, I think we're going to see a lot from Andy Murray. Going back to the Davis Cup, he's got the US Open as well. And with Djokovic maybe having a little bit of a dip. this could If you, if you looked at a player between Djokovic and Murray and said, what one is going to complete all four Grand Slams and win the, gold, the Olympic gold medal first, I think you've got to look at Andy. And it does seem like Ivan Lindell again, it's just the timing of
0: him coming yeah. back. Well, his, re-
1: his, record, it it. his record since then, he's only lost one match, and that was the French Open final. You know, So, it, I don't know what it is, it just seems to work. You know, It, it wasn't in the stand last night. It was, no, it was uh, later. Leon, Leon wasn't was in the stand but, You know, Just the format Andy's in at the moment, it's, just, it's unprecedented for a British player to play like that you know and especially for a, Scottish, for a Scottish sporting scene to have an icon like that at this moment in time we've just got to savour it because who knows when we'll see it again yeah.
0: superb well thanks very much Green McGuire and Scott Mullen um, we're going to be back again later this week so make sure you tune in then thanks very much thanks for listening to Ahead of the Game we'll see you again next time